Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Good luck with the most beautiful game. Do us proud. Red alert! They're up and running again. So sweet, splendid, succinct, just glorious execution. Guys, all I'm looking for is 60% effort, 4,000% of the time. How sharp was that? Sharp of mind and body. And that's why you see those beautiful tears. Look at his movements. The most dangerous man on the planet, nobody picks him up. Hello and welcome to Wondergold, the soccer betting podcast presented by the Action Network. I am your host today, BJ Cunningham. Michael Leboff is off for an episode, but I am joined by my co-host and friend, Anthony DeBundo, to break down the final round of World Cup qualifiers across the world. We have two playoff matches in Europe. We have a whole host of CONCACAF and South America and Asian matches, and then we have second legs of the African World Cup qualifying. But first, we're going to start in Europe, where we have an unlikely playoff, the one that we were not expecting. Portugal survives against Turkey 3-1. They get to play North Macedonia, who upset Italy as 13-1 underdogs in the 94th minute on a goal from outside the box to win 1-0. Portugal is a minus 500 favorite. They are playing this one at home. North Macedonia is 14 to one, and the draw is six to one, which is pretty much the exact same line that we saw against Italy. Um, Anthony, I'll let you first uh, say your last goodbye to this uh, Italian team and uh, your thoughts on this match. Yeah, you know, as somebody who has followed us since the Euros, if you have followed us, you know that I am a proud Italian. If you can tell that by my name as well, uh, it is a, it was a devastating moment. It was really a classic example of why soccer is such a beautiful sport and also a cruel sport because Italy was not the best team at the Euros, but some variance goes your way. You win a couple of penalty shootouts and you win the Euros and it's this triumphant moment. And then you have a missed penalty against Switzerland. You have a couple of unfortunate draws with Northern Ireland and Bulgaria, and then you end up in this playoff and expected goals. We could talk about that 1.9 to 0.1 for Italy. And they were the better team, obviously, but that's soccer, right? They don't take their chances. And then North Macedonia has a moment that's pretty incredible for, for their country and and, historic victory. Devastating for Italy, not to go back to the world cup after they missed in 2018, they have not won a knockout match at the world cup since 2006. Uh, So Devastating for the Italians, but and and devastating for me too, in the sense that we get robbed of what was going to be a great, great matchup here. I was looking forward to betting Italy in this match. I thought we'd get a good plus a half number. We're not going to obviously get that now. Do I go back to the well? North Macedonia team total over. It was one of my luckier wins of the year, but 
I'm not. Uh, I, I, th- I thought about it. They only had five shots against Italy. I think Portugal is weaker defensively. So in some sense, there probably is value in the, in the plus 140 and going back to it because that was the same number we had in the game against Italy, plus 145. But five shots, all from outside the box, 0.1 expected goals. It was a miracle. Miracles can happen twice. Portugal, like I said, a little bit more vulnerable at the back. I talked last week about their issues defensively and why I was backing Turkey plus one and a half. And that, <laughs> that should have won, but uh, overall, this is just a pass for me. If I had to bet it again, I would go back to the well on North Macedonia team total over a half, because I do think Portugal's defense remains pretty overrated, but there was just no resistance in the North Macedonian defensive midfield of keeping the ball out of their penalty area. And Portugal has better attackers than Italy does in terms of just raw talent. So if you take away Portugal's ball progression issue, you just let them walk into the area. Guys like Ronaldo and Jota, they should have no problem rolling here. Yeah, I mean, well, here, first I have a question for you before I give my thoughts. Do you do you trade the Euro title for two World Cup qualifications? 100% Euro title. Yeah. I would take that over qualifying and not winning the World Cup, which is probably what would have happened. Probably would have made it out of the group and lost. Um, but yeah, 2000, 2021 was worth it. Yeah, I mean, listen, we, uh, yeah, and, you know, for us United States fans as well, we trade a gold cup for, uh, to qualify for the world cup. Obviously the euros are way bigger than the gold cup, but same kind of a uh, scenario. I mean, listen, the, the, the box score from the North Macedonia early one is it's quite hilarious. 32 shots, 16 of them blocked by North Macedonia. That's crazy. That's uh, just a team that you knew was going to park the bus. They did it and it worked. So that's exactly what they're going to do here against Portugal because they can't play an open game with them. And what's even crazier is that North Macedonia's best player, Elfie Elmas, who plays for Napoli, he's hurt. He didn't play for them in this match. So, again, with the line being exactly how it was against Italy and the fact that both of us are pretty much off everything except for you being on North Macedonia team total over, uh, this is absolutely a pass for me. I have this pretty much dead on with what it is. I have Portugal at minus 507 and the total around three. So the over under two and a half is uh, at minus one forty right now on the over. So uh, honestly, just a pass. And I was very close to playing Italy live. I was trying to wait to get at least some type of decent number on them. Uh, I would try to do the same here with Portugal, but I don't really think it's going to happen because what you see in kind of the live market is they're still pricing in the fact that Italy is completely dominating the match. I mean, zero zero at half, Italy was still minus three ten on the live money line. So there's just no value in betting that for 45 minutes. Cause anything can happen like we saw. So we both will ultimately just be passing on this one. Uh, I mean, Portugal should cruise, you know, like Italy should have done, but uh, the way more interesting match, the other playoff Poland is hosting Sweden, who is coming off a 120 minute uh, extra time win over the Czech Republic. Poland got a buy due to the suspension of the Russian national team. Poland, this game is being played in Poland. Poland is plus 150. Sweden is plus 215. The draw is at plus 210. Poland is minus 140 to advance with Sweden sitting at plus 120. To advance, Anthony, who do you have for this clash of two teams that are actually quite very similar in terms of their talent level? Yeah, it's a rematch of, of what was probably one of the best matches of the entire Euro tournament. Uh, they played a 3-2 thriller where Sweden went up 2-0. They blew the lead. And then in stoppage time, Sweden got the winning goal on the counter to 
win the group against Spain. Uh, they actually had the best uh, results of anybody in that group with seven points. Credit the Swedes. They had a great Euros. And I, I like this team a lot more than I like Poland. When you look at it, Sweden is a bad favorite because they don't do a ton in possession. They kind of just sit in a 4-4-2. They're very safe. Uh, they defend in a low block when they don't have the ball. And then they kind of just let their very good attacking players kind of run wild and try to make something happen. That, that's a classic international scene. You'll see that a lot. And I think it works when you're an underdog in the situation on the road, Sweden's defense still relatively solid numbers across the board. They did concede about 1.2 expected goals to the Czech Republic without Patrick Schick, which is a little bit concerning, but Sweden controlled large portions of that match. They were the better side over the course of it. Uh, they had considerably more uh, shots in the first 90 ish uh, and then ultimately found a late winner. I think this really is a true toss up. I think Sweden's slightly better team, Poland home field, Therefore, I'm taking the dog at plus 120 to advance. I think if we get to penalties, uh, I, I like, you know, I think this is really just a true toss up match. And th- when we talk about Poland, they didn't impress me too much in the Euros. I know they ended up coming up a little short, but again, you know, they played a pretty weak group. They were competitive with Spain for some parts of it, but again, a lot of that came down to Spain really not taking any chances. Uh, and then you look at their performance against Slovakia, incredibly underwhelming. So I don't really love this Poland team. I think a lot of times what happens with them is they don't really have good midfield ball progressors. They get stuck trying to go through Lewandowski, which they have to do, but they can't really give him good service. And so he ends up having to create everything himself. And even if you go back to that Sweden game, that's exactly what happened. It was two weird counter moments where there was space for Lewandowski to operate and he was able to kind of work some magic and score and, and create great goals. I don't think Sweden's going to be as naive. I think they'll sit deep and I think they're more dangerous on the counter than they are playing with the ball anyway. So I like Sweden. I think it's a toss up. I'm going to take the plus 120. I'm actually going to disagree with you. I really like Poland minus 140 to advance, especially being at home and the fact that Sweden is coming off 120 minutes against the Czech Republic. If you go back to the game, I understand that Sweden went up to nothing and you know, game state obviously matters, but Poland ended up winning the expected goals battle 1.5 to one held 67% possession, 29 shot creating actions, only 12 for Sweden, 41 progressive passes, just 19 for Sweden. So pretty resounding dominant performance, but again, game state does matter. If Sweden wasn't up to nothing, I don't think you would see those type of numbers, but overall for the group stage, I mean, Sweden, they won the group with a negative expected goal differential and Poland finished in dead last with a better expected goal differential than Sweden. So it, the, the Swedish performance really against the Czech Republic did not impress me at all, especially the fact that they didn't have Schick or Sufal uh, for the Czech Republic didn't. So, I mean, after 90 minutes, the expected goals battle was only 0.9 to 0.6. And there were a couple of chances that the Czech Republic had that they could have really put away uh, to take that one away. And Poland, you know, they were in a, I would call it a very interesting group uh, throughout World Cup qualification. They were in a group with England. Uh, Albania and Hungary, who are two, you know, not horrific teams, but at least somewhat decent. And then they had two of the worst teams in Europe, uh, Andorra and San Marino. So their numbers get a little bit inflated, you know, plus 17 actual goal differential, only around a plus eight expected goal differential. So you could say they overperformed, but when you play teams like Andorra and San Marino, you're likely not going to create seven expected goals and win seven nothing. It's just not the reality of how things work with those type of teams. But Poland, the fact that they were able to play a friendly against Scotland, at least get, you know, the legs moving a little bit, play together as a team. The fact that they were able to actually be able to rest 
Robert Lewandowski for, for this match. I think is that's for them. Great sitting here at home. I have them projected at minus one Oh five uh, in the regular 90 minutes. So I like them minus minus one forty two advance because like you mentioned, Sweden's going to sit back in a four, four, two, they're going to allow Poland to control the possession, just like they did in that uh, match in the euros. So I'm actually on Poland to advance at minus 140. All right, let's move on to CONCACAF. We are recording this right after a resounding, resounding 5-1 win by the Americans over Panama. Congratulations to Canada for beating Jamaica and qualifying for the World Cup for the first time since 1986. The Mexican national team, congratulations to you as well. Got a late winner against Honduras to get them tied on points with the United States. So as it sits right now, Canada has officially qualified. They are sitting with 28 points. The United States is in second with 25 points and a plus 13 goal differential. Uh, Mexico is one spot below them, still 25 points with a plus seven goal differential. And Costa Rica is in the fourth spot, which is a playoff spot. That'll play the winner of the Oceania region, most likely New Zealand. Uh, they sit with 22 points and a plus three goal differential. So essentially for the United States to qualify for the World Cup, they just need to not lose 6 nothing in Costa Rica, uh, which I believe is not going to happen or even come close because I think the U.S. is actually going to win if they actually take this match seriously. I talked about it on the last show uh, with Costa Rica. They are one of the, <laughs> they're driving me crazy. Like they're one of the luckiest teams in the world right now. Uh, they obviously beat El Salvador 2-1 to secure that, at least secure that fourth spot. Uh, they did win the expected goals battle, but they conceded a goal for the first time in five matches. So now in the last five matches, they've conceded one goal off of 6.5 expected goals. Like that's insane. Like the over, I mean, obviously they're a team that sits back in a 4-4-2 when they play teams like the United States, Mexico, and Canada. But if you watch that match against Canada, Canada got a red card in the 34th minute, and they still won the expected goals by like 1.5 to 1.1. Costa Rica just scored a header off of a set piece, but Canada hit the bar twice. It's this team drives me crazy because they have very little talent except for Kaylor Navas in goal. And if they actually qualify for the World Cup, they're going to be a team that not only will be betting against every single match. But when you do prop bets, like who's going to like score the least amount of goals, I'm going to put Costa Rica in, in that uh, as long as it's not too pricey, but or them not to qualify, depending on whatever group they're in. This team just drives me crazy. They, they keep costing me money. Uh, they did it against Panama. They did it against Canada. They did it today against El Salvador. Uh, but I really think if the U.S. decides to actually play a decent lineup, they should be able to dominate Costa Rica like they did the last time they played them. What do you think? What chance do you give the Americans of staving off a 6-0 defeat in Costa Rica? Yeah, I'll be playing some Costa Rica alt lines. No, I'm kidding. Uh, (laughs) We don't have a market for this yet. We're recording this on Sunday night. We do not have lines. Of course, we don't know who's going to play for the U.S., but I think you're going to hear this over and over again, and this gets into the club season that we're getting towards the end of here now, and this goes into the international season. These teams don't need to qualify or they've already qualified or they're already eliminated. Look at Honduras, right? And this is a classic example. Honduras has been horrible. They're the worst team in CONCACAF based on the table. They play Panama, who desperately needs the win. The line gets overinflated. Honduras gets a 1-1 draw. Then today, Mexico desperately needs the win. Laying two goals against Honduras on the road. Doesn't come close to scoring two goals. Uh, Only gets one. They win one, no, but they don't cover. And you're going to see this a lot here, I think, too. We don't have a market. Again, I don't even know what the line is going to be. I'm interested to see what it is. I'll be leaning toward the U.S. as well. 
I know the history. The U.S. has never, ever won in San Jose in World Cup qualifying. Seven trips, zero wins. Uh, they've had some embarrassing defeats. In 2018, it was the famous 4-0 defeat that got Klinsman fired. And they lost there in 2014 as well when they did qualify for the World Cup. So they've had their problems there, and that's noted. And Costa Rica, part of the reason for the overperformance is Navas, who's great in goal, but... I mean, at some point, they're going to regress defensively quite a bit. And these players the U.S. are going to be playing, let's not pretend they're just scrubs. I mean, these are guys who are trying to get on the roster. So even if Pulisic and Reyna and Wea aren't playing, we're going to see guys like Roldan or Ariola, guys who are trying to get Jordan Morris, guys who are trying to get into this team, Shaq Moore even, who are going to give a good effort. De La Torre, I think we'll see. And he was great in, in the win tonight. I'm absolutely excited, as you can tell by my voice, by the win. And I think it was probably the best performance the U.S. has had. It was the second half against Mexico and the first half against Panama. The two best performances I've seen the U.S. have probably since 2014. But anyway, these guys are playing for spots. They're playing for minutes. And I think you're going to see an inspired effort. And so everybody's going to make jokes. Oh, they should forfeit, lose 3-0 intentionally. Oh, the U.S. could lose by six. All these jokes. I don't care. I'll be looking to back the U.S. Hopefully, Costa Rica's like odds on. They oh, that'd be, be great. They won't be, but like you know, even if they're favored, if U.S. is like minus one ten or, or better, like I have, I'll be honest, I have the U.S. projected like minus two forty on the road. Like that's how crazy the Costa Rica overperformance has been. So, I'm, my guess is that you. Probably... I still think the U.S. is is overdue to concede a little bit, and we saw it tonight. Yeah. Even like Panama did get a, did get a goal late, but there were chances before that that you could argue Panama really could have gotten one or two, but. Yeah, this U.S. team, there's not a huge gap between their best players and their mediocre players, especially once you get past Pulisic, Reyna, McKenney, Adams. Then it's just kind of like a lot of upper-tier MLS guys, and they're all in that mix to compete for these spots. So I do think you're going to get a good effort from the U.S. I don't think they're just going to roll over and quit um, and just roll over. And plus, Costa Rica, you know, we keep talking about like, oh, Costa Rica could win by six. They're locked into the playoff. Like what's, you know, they obviously could win by six or could win by four and take Mexico's spot, but in all likelihood, this is probably going to be a very dead game. It's probably not going to be a ton in it. And uh, I think the U.S. will probably be undervalued. The other thing I want to mention is that I agree with you that, yes, some of these players who are getting into the squad who are wanting to prove themselves so that I can actually make the squad that goes to Qatar for the World Cup. But think about it this way. This isn't just part of the U.S. This applies to all these other teams who have already qualified for the world cup. And you can say all these matches don't matter. So I'm talking like Brazil, Argentina, like South Korea, like Iran, you know, these teams who have already qualified these, this is the last competitive match that they're probably going to have before the world cup. Like this is really important for them to work out the kinks and really just try to hone their squad and hone what their tactics are going to be. I understand when you play better teams, it's going to be a little bit different, but this is basically it. I mean, these teams, we talk about it a lot, but they don't get many training sessions together before they go out and play these World Cup qualifiers because they're with their club teams pretty much year-round. So they will have some time during the summer, but none of it's going to be competitive. Now they have a finally have a match where they get a team who's actually going to try against them. This is really important for them. So I agree with you that I'm interested to see the line is because Canada was plus 140 on the road against Costa Rica. My guess is that they'll probably, obviously, you know, in U.S. markets, the U.S. gets a tad overinflated sometimes. So... Could we see the U.S. at plus 120, at plus 110? Even if it's somewhere in there, I think I'd be I might surprised. Have, I, yeah, it might be a little bit more than that, but we'll see. Because they obviously discount a lot of these teams who have already qualified, basically already qualified for the Cup. I know the U.S. has actually has technically qualified, but yeah, it's it's going to be hard for me to stay away from the U.S. on this. And just 
try in the Costa Rican luck box. And I'll tell you this much, Anthony, New Zealand's playing the Solomon Islands, uh, I believe on Wednesday to yep. secure their spot in the playoff in June in Qatar. If it's against Costa Rica, which most likely it will, I will be betting New Zealand no matter what, uh, depending on maybe. No matter what. No matter what, unless they're like minus 150, which they're not going to be. But this this team, it has to end at some point. Like, this is crazy. And we'll get to another team that has been an absolute luck box where it has to end. But, I mean, this Costa Rican team, I just can't. I can't get over because there's been so many matches where they've just parked the bus and it's worked. You know, and we 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 got to, I mean, the same thing happened with North Macedonia, but when it happens over and over and over again, it starts to drive you a little bit insane. As you can hear in my voice, I'm starting to go a little bit insane with this team. So uh, that'll be that on the U.S. Well, um, obviously, that's the only match that really means anything other than, you know, the, the Mexico match against El Salvador, which they should cruise by. Uh, I, I, I don't hate it. I mean, we have, again, we don't have a line yet. Mexico's off. I mean, another dead performance today against Honduras. Raul Jimenez looks like he's aged three years in the last year. They're not creating the chances that I'd expect them to create. They had a draw Panama that was very bizarre. Uh, or excuse me, they had a late win against Panama on a lucky penalty that really didn't deserve to win. Uh, they had a very lackluster showing when they went to Canada. They got embarrassed by the U.S. in America. They were very flat against the U.S. at home. And then they play, you know, a dead Honduras team and barely beat them. So if we can get like two and a half on El Salvador, I'll be looking I'll be looking to fire maybe a Mexico team total under. Cause again, they don't really care either. I mean, they're, they're kind of just cruising here to qualification. So I, that, that's a look for me maybe, but we'll see what the number is once we get a market on it. Yeah. Uh, that'll be interesting as well. It'll always be interesting to see what group, uh, obviously for those who don't know the world cup draws this Friday, uh, April 1st. Uh, so we'll see, it'll be interesting to see what group uh, the U S has put against and everything, but We'll move on. There are other World Cup qualifications going on around the world, especially and probably most interestingly outside of Europe in Africa, the second leg of the African World Cup playoffs. As it currently stands, the Democratic Republic of Congo drew Morocco uh, in the Democratic Republic of the Congo. Cameroon lost one nothing at home to Algeria. Mali lost one nothing at home to Tunisia. Egypt one, one, nothing at home over Senegal and Ghana drew Nigeria zero, zero at home. So that is how it stands going into the second leg of all of these matches. Um, the winner of the two legs goes to the world cup. So Anthony, I believe we are both on the same game here. Uh, what do you have for us in Africa? Yeah, I had them in the first leg. I know you did as well. We took them drawn a bet plus 105-ish against mm-hmm. Egypt. Uh, it's the the return fixture now. Egypt scored an own goal in the fourth minute. They then were outplayed for large stretches of the match. It was 1.5 XG to 1.2 for Senegal. That was on the road. And we now have the data of two games. These two teams have played against each other. And in the last three months, between the AFCON final, which was neutral, and then in... Egypt, Senegal was the better team in both games. They were considerably better on the neutral. They were marginally better on the road. Now they're only minus 110 at home. It's a hammer spot. I think Senegal rolls. Again, like Egypt's defense continues to just never concede anything. And you can go more into that. I just don't understand how they keep getting away with it. And and look, this gets into a bigger point about international variance. There are, there are so few games. There are so few goals in these games. I mean, so many of these Africa totals are one and a half with, you know, 
like minus one ten, one and a half each way. So you have to understand that one game state is more important in international than it is in club, one hundred percent, because of these games are there's so few games that each game means more, that each goal means more, and they tend to change a lot how teams play. And you know, BJ and I had a good Euros. There's a lot of variance that goes into those Euros as well. You know, who scores early, who scores late, all that kind of stuff too. So when you have these international teams who don't play together that much, who come together for these brief tournaments or these brief qualifying periods over two weeks, you have to expect just absurd variance. And I think really this, you know, you got, you want to identify certain bet on and bet against teams and Egypt is the top. I know BJ hates Costa Rica. I hate Egypt even more. They're at the top of my bet against list. Oh, I hate Egypt uh, and, too. <laughs> and so uh, no disrespect to the Egyptians. No disrespect. Luck box. Uh, and, and so Senegal has a lot of midfield advantages here. They have an overall talent advantage, considerable one, and they're at home. I think they're the best team, arguably, on the continent. And so minus 110 at home when they need a win is uh, where I'm going. Listen, I know game of the years are hot in the streets these days. Like this is game of the year right here. This is line <laughs> in the sand. This is everything. Because for those who don't know, I know Anthony knows this, but like I have – I have a 500 to one ticket on Senegal to win the world cup. Uh, and I don't want this bet to die right now. I want it to die in the fall. Cause I know it's going to die. I know they're not winning the world. They're, cup. All, they're only probably what 40% to advance here. Yeah. To make it. I, I know. And that's, what's driving me crazy because Egypt, like you said, is the luckiest team in the world since the, since the AFCON uh, started uh, they have around a minus 2.4 expected goal differential. They went to extra time three times. In the AFCON uh, knockout stage, uh, and they finally got knocked out by Senegal on penalties. On penalties, yeah. On penalties. The Egypt defense is so overdue to concede. It's it's not even funny anymore. It's just starting to get insane. Since the start of AFCON, Egypt has allowed two goals off of nine expected goals. Like, that's insane. And obviously, there's variance in these international things, but that type of variance is a little insane. Uh, additionally, their offense, uh, even though they have – one of the best attacking players in the world, Mo Salah. They've created over one expected goal one time since the start of AFCON. It was against Sudan. They only created 1.2 expected goals. There's just nothing to really get excited about this team. It's just a team that just sits back and just gets lucky because like, they don't press very well. They were 16th in the tournament in pass per defensive action, only 12.2, which is really not that good. And Senegal, they are the best team in Africa. I mean, they showed that. They went and won AFCON. They had a plus seven expected goal differential in eight matches. Their defense is only conceding around 0.5 expected goals per match. They have the best center back in Africa in Kubali. They have the best goalkeeper in Africa in Edward Mendy. And they have probably the best attacking player outside of Mo Salah in Sadio Mane. Like this team is incredibly talented. They have solid midfielders who, for whatever reason, just can't control the ball and can't press Egypt effectively to get the ball up to Sadio Mane. But this is just a line in the sand game. I mean, there's, first of all, Take Senegal at minus 110 in regular time instead of their two advanced line to take away that variance in extra time because Senegal is going to have to win in regular time to actually send this to extra time. So uh, I have them projected at minus 250 against Egypt. I mean, Egypt, I do, I, for those who don't know or haven't seen it or maybe hasn't seen it, I have world soccer rankings on the, the actionnetwork.com that you can go read and you can go look at. Uh, Denmark is too low on those rankings, by the way. They should be number one. They're 11th. Um, they actually are just surpassed uh, the United States, I believe. Um, anyway, uh, 
Egypt, I, when I did this, I went through and I basically went through every single expected goals results for pretty much every single team in the world. Uh, and Egypt through World Cup qualifying, AFCON, AFCON qualifying, they have a minus 3.3 expected goal differential. They're playing teams like Togo and Libya and Gabon in these qualification type deals. Like it is not murderer's row that they are facing. And they consistently just get these results that they don't deserve. I mean, it's insane. It's got to end at some point. So this is game of the year, lying in the sand, hammer time. I don't care what you call it. Like, this is it. Senegal has to go through if there's any sort of justification in this world or any type of justice. Like, this is getting crazy at this point. So Senegal minus 110. Obviously, gamble responsibly. Don't bet above your means. But this is hammer time. <laughs> this is this is absolutely hammer time. So Senegal minus one ten. Also, I'll just say Nigeria plus one ten. Also to move on. Um, let's move on to South America. There's a couple interesting scenarios in South America. Brazil, Argentina, Ecuador, and Uruguay have already automatically qualified for the World Cup. But the fifth and final spot, which is a playoff, who faces the winner of the third place playoff in Asia, which we'll get to in a second. Peru is sitting with 21 points and a minus five goal differential. Colombia is sitting with 20 points and an even goal differential. And Chile is sitting with 19 points and a minus five goal differential. So there's a bunch of scenarios that can happen here, obviously. Peru is playing Paraguay. Chile is playing Uruguay. And Colombia is playing on the road against Venezuela. Anthony, what do you have in South America? I'm going back to my Paraguay boys. You know, we talked about this last week. Paraguay was a team who was expected to be in the middle of the pack for the qualification. You go back to the Copa America from last summer. They were a solid team who uh, was really competitive with some of the bigger teams in the group. Like they caused problems for Argentina when they played them. And, and they were a team who ended up going out on pens and be that what it may. Paraguay underrated team who had a really bad qualifying cycle and now is just undervalued in the market. And they end up going out and thrashing Ecuador at home. Now they're going on the road and it's a classic situation. I just talked about this. The team who's eliminated is now very undervalued against the team who quote unquote needs to win. And look, Peru has a legitimate gripe here. They should have had a goal against Uruguay. It was wrongly ruled out. I don't know what's going on with the, the VAR situation there and why that wasn't overturned, but pretty shoddy refereeing may end up costing them a spot. Uh, but I do think they're overvalued here in this game. Now minus one, uh, a full goal in a game where Peru and Paraguay played at the Copa America, just a neutral site, and it was a pick em. And that was in July. And now we're in March. Not that much has changed for these two teams. So I'm taking the plus one on Paraguay. It's a chance to play spoiler. So give me the Paraguayans plus one, uh, minus 110. Yeah, I agree with you. I think Paraguay has been undervalued pretty much throughout all of qualifying. It's kind of a shame they're not in the mix here to get that fifth spot. But uh, I'm actually going with Brazil, minus one and minus 110 on the road against Bolivia. This match means absolutely nothing to either team because Brazil's already qualified for the World Cup and Bolivia has been eliminated. However, given the lineup that Brazil played against Chile, which featured Neymar, Vinicius Jr., Casemiro, Marquinhos, it was pretty much an A lineup that Brazil played. 
if they play anything like that, and Brazil is also one of these type of teams that I put England and, and Spain in this type of region where they just have so much talent and depth that it really doesn't matter what type of lineup you try to play against some of these smaller teams. They're just going to smash them. I highly doubt that Brazil, even if they decide to rest Neymar and Vinicius Jr., that they're not going to be able to be effective with um, – they're definitely going to be able to be effective with guys like Richarlison and Gabriel Martinelli or whoever, Anthony, whoever they decide to put out there. Bolivia is by far and away the worst team in South America. Over World Cup qualifying in Copa America, they have a minus 1.33 expected goal differential per match. They're conceding 2.46 expected goals per match, and their offense is only averaging 1.1 expected goals per match, which is dead last in South America. And even their last match against Colombia, they had two shots and 0.05 expected goals. So what do you think the best team in South America is going to do to them? These two met once it was the very first world cup qualification match. Brazil completely blew out Bolivia five, nothing shots were 19 to three 65% possession. So even though this match means absolutely nothing, like we always mentioned earlier, Brazil is one of these teams that has so much depth that their secondary players, there's really not much. I mean, there's obviously a drop off from Neymar to Richarlison, but these guys are also still, you know, playing at some of the top clubs in the world and they want to make the team, you know, guys like Gabriel Martinelli got their first call up, call up Gabriel defender for Arsenal. He got his first call up to the national team. These guys are fighting for a spot to actually go to Qatar to play for their country. So I think you're going to get a really, really, good effort from the Brazilians here, and they're just going to smash the worst team in South America. So I think you're getting a really discounted price on them at minus one and minus 110 on the road. EJ calling Everton one of the best clubs in the world. Michael would be proud to hear that. <laughs> well, I also mean, Arsenal, one of the best clubs in the world. Absolutely. Thank you. Yep. Thank you. Yes. I mean, very well deserved that all of these Arsenal players are getting called up to their national teams. Very well deserved. Thank you, Anthony. All right. I'll finish this off here in Asia. So there's really only one thing uh, in Asia in terms of a uh, still up in the air. It's the third place spot in group A between Iraq and United Arab Emirates. Uh, Iraq beat the United Arab Emirates to come within one point of them. Uh, so essentially whoever, uh, finishes with, uh, a higher point total, basically Iraq needs to win and they need the United Arab Emirates to drop points is essentially the scenario that we are in. Iraq is playing Syria and the United Arab Emirates is playing South Korea at home. I actually like South Korea. They're getting a nice discounted price here at minus 110. Obviously, South Korea has nothing to play for. They've already qualified for the World Cup, but depending on the lineup, if they play Hyunmin Son and He Chen Huang and Yi Jo Wang, I think this is a great price on South Korea. I mentioned it last time. Uh, United Arab Emirates is a really, really overrated team. They've allowed eight goals in this third round of qualifying off of 13.3 expected. Their offense is averaging under one expected goal per match. South Korea, actually a very impressive team and one team that when we get to the World Cup, I'll be very interested to see what group they're in and a potential team to advance to the next round. Plus 10 expected goal differential in nine matches, averaging 1.75 expected goals per match. When these two teams met the first time, in South Korea, South Korea won one nothing, but it was a very resounding win. Won the expected goals battle 2.3 to 0.1, held 64% possession, and outshot the United Arab Emirates 20 to 1. So the United Arab Emirates can't really just sit back and play for a point and just scoreboard watch and hope that Iraq uh, doesn't beat Syria. So I think they're going to be forced to potentially play an open game with South Korea, uh, which is absolutely a nightmare matchup for them and one that they will lose if South Korea 
plays their best players. So I love the South Korea at minus 110, but it is contingent on if Hyunmin Sun, Hee Chen Wang, and Lee Jo Wang all play. So let's move on to our best bets of the World Cup qualification. Anthony, what is your best bet for this round of World Cup qualifiers? I just said it. I like Paraguay plus one on the road at Peru. These two teams just played at the Copa America last summer. Uh, it was a pick each way, minus 110 on a neutral site. Now I understand you have to factor in home advantage, but it doesn't really get you to a full goal difference here. And the reason Paraguay has been deflated, their expected goals numbers are not nearly as bad as their actual results. They're at the bottom of the table in South America. They've underperformed their talent level considerably. It wasn't that long ago that many were expecting this team to be in fifth, sixth, seventh, competing on the final day for those World Cup places. They're a team who likes to press a little bit. They play a little differently than most of South America, but I think they can cause some problems for Peru here. Really, it just comes down to the price. Peru in the classic must-win spot very overpriced. So I'm going to take Paraguay plus one at minus 110. I love Senegal minus 110 at home against Egypt. I know game of the years are hot in the streets on the Twitter sphere these days. You want to call it line in the sand, a hammer time, whatever you want to call it. This is an all in desperation spot, not only for Senegal, but for me as well, because the, this Egypt team is the luckiest team in the world. Since the start of the African Cup of Nations, which started in January, They have allowed two goals off of 8.9 expected goals. I understand there's a lot of variance in international soccer, but that is insane. They have a minus 2.4 expected goal differential since the start of the Africa Cup of Nations. This Senegal team is the best team in Africa, and they proved that during AFCON. Plus seven expected goal differential in eight matches. Their defense is outstanding. They're only allowing around 0.5 expected goals per match. They have the best center back in Africa and Kubali, they have the best goalkeeper in Africa and Edward Mendy. They have one of the best attacking players outside of Mo Salah and Sadio Mane. There is no reason why Senegal should only be minus 110 at home to beat Egypt. Egypt is up one nothing on aggregate, but Senegal needs to win in regular time to at least send this to extra time. So I have Senegal projected at minus 240. So I think you're getting a ton of value on the Senegalese national team to at least get this into extra time. That'll do it for this episode of Wonder Goal. Thank you all for listening. We will be back on Thursday morning with the club calendar getting back underway, breaking down the entire weekend slate. If you can, please, wherever you are listening to this podcast, please leave us a five-star review. Write whatever you like about us, even if it is negative. Uh, and please subscribe at wherever, also where you get these podcasts. It really helps us out. And we will see you with Michael Eboff back in the host chair on Thursday morning. Cheers. Cheers.